0: Welcome to the Castalia podcast. My name is Isla Ratcliffe, I'm a Scottish fiddle player, and I have just released my debut album, The Castalia. In this podcast, I interview musicians from Cape Breton, an island on the east coast of Canada with a rich traditional music culture, thanks to the many Scots who emigrated in the 18th and 19th centuries. I was very lucky to spend four months in Cape Breton, A life-changing experience that inspired my album. It is the people behind Cape Breton Music who make it so special. This is why I have created this podcast. To give you the chance to meet them.
1: Like if you just had a dancer beside you and you were hearing their feet... It's about matching that. It's not about playing over them, playing faster than them. It's like, it's, we are basically the accompanist to the dancer. So you wanna, you wanna follow what the dancer is doing.
0: Today, I'm speaking to Maddie Rankin, a fantastic fiddle player from Mabu Cape Breton. She performs with several bands, Bjaulich, The Outside Track, and her duo with cellist, Eric Wright. Our paths didn't cross when I was in Cape Breton, so it was lovely to connect with her on this podcast.
1: I've been playing fiddle and step dancing and sometimes singing uh, for the last 20 plus years as a quotation professional musician.
0: So first question, what is your favourite thing about Cape Breton music?
1: My favourite thing about Cape Breton music involves the fact that the dancing culture is so closely linked with the music it is something that we grew up with uh, the dancing came first and then the music came second and I really think that has made us stronger players or and just maybe more aware of, of who we're playing to and it's it's given us this sense of, of, of community also because When you're playing for dancers it's usually for a dance meaning that there are lots of people coming out and it's in a community hall and like the community gets involved so i think when you link all those things together with the style that we play it just it turns into a lot of good memories and um, it's very addictive i think
0: and secondly why do you play music and
1: dance well i was 12 when dad asked me to, if I wanted to take lessons, Stan Chapman was coming to uh, Cape Breton every Saturday to Mabu to teach. And there was always this long lineup of people that wanted to, to take lessons. And, and I had at that point been taking step dancing and I loved it. And then I was taking some, a bit of piano and I wasn't really finding myself loving it as much as the dancing. Um, But then once the fiddle uh, lesson started, it was like that kind of light bulb moment went. And so from that point, I don't, it never occurred to me that I would not do it from that point on. It was just kind of, this is part of my life. And when you put that much time and practice and effort and hours and visiting and learning, Uh, into something it's it's very difficult in my mind at that time to walk away from it you know when when I graduated I went to art college and I was there for a couple of years but the music was like still underlying there was like it's what I felt comfortable in it felt like this is what I should be doing and at that point also late 90s early 2000s was this era of Cape Breton artists really taking off and being on television and being on the radio and traveling to Ireland and traveling to Scotland and, and making real headway for Cape Breton and the people from there. So it was kind of a very enticing business to be in at the time too. I think when you combine all those, it was like the perfect storm for me to not look back and just keep plowing ahead with the musician's career.
0: A lot of people have given that same answer, actually, about um, that timing um, when everything was just taking off.
1: Oh, the golden years. (laughs) (laughs) Now they're a little tarnished. (laughs) (laughs) Reality has set in.
0: (laughs) okay. and third question, what is your favourite musical memory?
1: Um, I was thinking about that. Uh, last night I was just trying to go over my mind of like just certain times when when I felt like it all clicked together and there's you know I think for for the arts you put everything into it and there's a lot of passion and there's a lot of energy and but sometimes things don't work out and kind of <laughs> majority of the, thought, the time things don't work out as planned you have to be very adaptable but what what stands out to me are certain memories that made me continue playing music the first one was taking lessons with stan chapman in our little group on saturday mornings and we had been learning a couple of jigs i think it was um jen allen's jig and stan chapman's oh uh, no uh, J- stan chapman's actually yeah it was written by jerry holland and we had been practicing it for quite a while and then all of a sudden Stan went to the piano and he started to chord and it was like this moment happened when when you put the accompaniment with the tune and like how great that all sounds until like a 12 year old kid I was it was that was something that you know I still remember and that kind of like the the hair on your arm goes up and it's you can't kind of recreate those those feelings it's just something natural that happens and another time it was that same feeling of playing music and in cape breton you you visited cape breton
0: yeah. so
1: you know you you know that everybody loves the music and uh, it's it's wonderful but they're never overly complimenting like there's never like lots of flowery flowery compliments and you know when you do a really good job you'll be told that but there's no kind of fakeness about it so you know we're not we weren't brought up saying oh you're gonna be amazing you're gonna be wonderful it's you're just doing wonderful all these so you know when you did get a compliment it was the biggest kind of pat on the back and and that was one time playing at the thanksgiving concert in mabu which was you know you had buddy mcmaster there and he was always there in his three-piece suit and you'd have natalie sometimes and uh betty lou and Kinnan, and the mabu fiddlers there was just this list of top 10 top 20 actually musicians and you know as a young person getting up on stage you had to have your stuff together like there was no faffing about so and and you were playing to an audience that understood every tune and they were listening intently to everything so you know when you go from the strass bays into the reels i think when they clap at that point you know you're doing well so when they <laughs> did i was just like oh, you know that feeling again it's like okay you put some work into it you put effort into it and and that's their way of showing you they're sitting intently and appreciating it so it's a couple of those things that have just boosted me to you know, to keep going. And those are a couple of the memories that just have stuck with me.
0: That transition from Straspeian to real in Cape Breton music was just, I, I really strongly remember hearing it for the first time when I was in Cape Breton and just, I don't know, it, it maybe sounds a bit strange to anyone who doesn't play music, but it was just that aspect that just totally caught me and it just, mm-hmm. yeah, just
1: fell in love with it. It's so unique. Yeah, and that's a a big thing, especially if you're playing for the dancer, you know, they're coming out of a Strass Bay. It's a very like we're on the beat for every single like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And then you switch to the reel. Well, you can't just go bango into the reel. There's this like magic two bars that you've got this like kind of a locomotive train picking up. But it has to be at the right time for the dancer to kind of get their footing and, and kind of realize that the reels coming in, and then bango, they're up to tempo. But it's, you know, you could analyze that little two bars for, you could go into it big time because it's such a gradual, but it has to sound natural, and the tunes have to flow together also. So there's a lot of work. It's not just like slamming tunes together. That's, I think, when people really respect fiddle players back home, it's the, the amount of work that goes into picking tunes that work together and when you have thousands and thousands to pick from you know don't go with the easiest always it's finding what minor to major or major to minor or something you know that's like it's a giant puzzle piece and forever it will always be a giant puzzle piece like looking at you know if you're doing another album or even if you're playing at the red shoe or if you're doing something in Judic, it's like the puzzle pieces of putting together sets of tunes that the audience is going to like you know that's mm-hmm. that's a what's always one of the things that are in the back of my mind
0: Mm. and is that a constant kind of task that you always have to think of or does it get easier once you've mastered no
1: when you get older (laughs) you're forgetting everything (laughs) (laughs) no that's the biggest thing for me And, and i've really found with covid this these two years of not playing um has been I've been teaching, which has been excellent, excellent for keeping mobility um, and, you know, just playing generally, but not for the blocks of tunes when you have to just kind of whip them off your mind. You know, like here's a eight minute blast of tunes that you're just whipping out one after the other. I can't I I, that's just the way my brain works I really need to kind of put things together in sets so you know some of the older material like this first stuff that you know I really started putting together is what sticks in there and the newer stuff like I could be teaching how many new tunes a week that's not staying in there because it's not a lot of fits now I'm just using sheet music whereas when it was from learning by ear it sticks in there and it just comes down to making more time uh to put the put the tunes together and just focusing that's another important word focusing for you know even if it was an hour or two a date if I did that for maybe a week I'd feel a lot more comfortable walking into these three or four hour gigs so
0: mm-hmm. I have
1: some homework to do before the summer starts yeah
0: no it must take a lot of stamina my first day in Cape Breton I went to the Red Shoe Pub And Andrea Beaton was playing, Troy McGilvery, Kenan Beaton. And I just remember sitting there in awe of how long they played for. It just like tune after
1: tune after tune. So yeah, it must take incredible stamina. (laughs) It does. And it's funny, like, because we didn't know any different, that's what everybody did. And I think that's, it's been a huge part of keeping the culture alive because... I remember talking to Andrea uh, this winter and she said, we were talking about the same thing, about how we're kind of losing these tunes because we're not playing them out in public. And she said when she was gung ho, like flat out playing in her early twenties, she played two four hour gigs back to back. And she played maybe three tunes twice So think of how many tunes that would be. So, you know, and her brain is amazing. But that's, when you think about it, that's keeping a culture alive, right? Because Mm -hmm. if somebody was recording that, they could go home and they would have four hours of music where it's different tunes, you know, and then go to the next gig and record her again, there's another four hours of sets. And that's what I kind of do when I, I need just to... Start getting myself ready for playing again. I'll just put on a. Um, there's some great party tapes or some CDs. I'm dating myself, but um of house parties and you know, there's five different fiddle players at a at a house party, and they all just play a bunch of tunes, and I'll like sit there and play along with them, and be like, oh, I forgot about that one. That's a good set. Like put that in a G group or put that in an E minor group or mm. or just I have to write them down too, and then then slowly but surely it comes back. So. It's just taking a lot longer now (laughs) (laughs) and with all those tunes to choose from what is your favorite oh actually there's that's an easy one because i just there's three that i love the most hull's reel that was written by john morris rankin so he's written that one Uh, hull's reel is just my go-to i love it um the last march is another tune that he wrote that i just love the the chord progressions that go along with the tune and flora uh, mcdonald's it's the e minor reel, and that's a great one to come out of like bachawachen the strass bay it's just those two flow together so well because you can start it a little bit slower and then just build it up and it just builds and builds and builds in intensity so those three would be my top pick
0: oh three great chins
1: <laughs> <laughs> thanks
0: um, so I'm interested in the range of different projects that you're involved in and um, there's quite a few different musical styles that you play in with your different collaborations Um, so can you tell listeners a little bit about what different groups you play in?
1: Yes um, I've played with Biola which is um, a band from Cape Breton it's gone through a couple of different lineup changes but that can be expected as we started 21 years ago uh, maybe even longer so that has been kind of my true to the roots band I would consider that um, with with Wendy McIsaac and Mac Morin and Matt McIsaac is now the the formation that we have as Biola so it's pipes, uh, piano and two fiddles with dance and guitar that is what we we try to involve as much of the old trad roots of, of, of what we play with progressive new a bit of new chords and cording style but the mandate like what we really we don't want to push it too far outside the box we want to make solid like when you hear it you'd be like that is Cape Breton and that is a strong sound that is just kind of what we've always felt with 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 Beola and then in 2009, I joined the Outside Track, which are the lovely girls from the UK and Ireland with Ailey Robertson and Fiona Black and Teresa Horrigan. That is a wonderful way of exploring all different types of music and styles and rhythms. And it's, a, it's pushed me out of comfort zones so many times definitely um a different approach to to group work because with Biolich it's kind of we're all from Cape Breton we all get what the stress bay pace is going to be or the real or whereas with Cape Breton Ireland and Scotland and very varying different backgrounds, it's kind of like, well, why do we have to play it like that? We can take it and try it this way or try it this way. And it's been a really, really amazing approach over the years for me to open my eyes and like not be close-minded about, you know, it has to, it has to be this way. And then I have, uh, my last project is with Eric Wright, the cellist from The Fretless. Um, Eric is from Vermont. And he went to Berkeley and yeah, we met um I think at a, a music camp in Saskatchewan. And instantly I think we're the female and male version of ourselves, so we could be extremely annoying if you see the two <laughs> of us in public. <laughs> we're extremely <laughs> extroverted. Uh so not for people who want peace and quiet uh, but uh yeah i we don't get to see each other very much but we've had this kind of project in the works and um we got it up and running and we made an album a couple of years ago so it's the, called the cabin sessions and what was neat with eric is that he grew up in vermont um his family's really into old-time music a bit of bluegrass And then Jerry Holland just lived down the road for like half the year. Jerry was back and forth between Vermont and Cape Breton, um, his whole life. So there was that kind of solid Cape Breton influence for years before we ever met and what Eric got what I got out of Eric is that he just really listened like he listened to where the groove was happening and he didn't try to push you into it has to be this tempo or this it was having Eric be really open about all those things just we clicked in an instant and so yeah so we did uh, that project and um, it's great I haven't seen him in a couple of years but we're heading to May uh, to, to Ireland in May so we're gonna have a, a blast doing some gigs. Oh
0: great! Oh, that sounds like so much fun. <laughs> yeah, it
1: should be great.
0: And actually, I was at your gig with Eric um, when I was in Cape Breton, and I remember I was at Celtic Colors in yes. twenty nineteen. Yeah, and I remember Eric was slightly late because he just got off the plane from Mexico. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: thing yeah just crazy yeah i know the things that you can just be like yes if i if i make every single connection and don't yes. sleep for 24 hours i can get to a gig it's crazy what we'll say yes to like anybody else mm. would be like no way and then you get this like rush of adrenaline and it's awesome mm. and then you it was a great game. after oh <laughs> thank you yeah and I'm
0: a fellow lover of fiddle cello combination I mean Uh, my main accompanist on my album is
1: cellist so yeah Yeah. I was just listening to your album last night and it's beautiful
0: yeah there's so
1: many lovely tunes on it so it's and it's really really great to hear because there's the Alistair Natalie um kind Mm -hmm. of that fiddle cello is like the what everyone instantly thinks of so it's really great to hear your take on tunes with cello also because it's still to me it's still a new instrument to play along Mm. with you know I don't there's so many different uh tones and feel that you can add into tunes so it's great um well-rounded album lovely oh thank you very much because yeah cello isn't very common in Cape Breton music at all is it no god we barely get an accordion around here like (laughs) on, on our side of the island it's like piano There aren't a lot of guitar players that chord compared to piano players. Piano would be the main guitar and then that's about it, really. Mm -hmm. You have some snare drums once in a while. Nobody really does the boring over on our side of the island. So yeah, we're Mm. piano heavy for sure, which is great. I love it. Mm.
0: That's very good. And I know that actually, strangely, when I was in Cape Breton, you also did a workshop at back at RCS in Scotland. Yeah. Is that right? Because I got back from Cape Breton and then. One of my friends, so I, I was in Cape Breton as part of my master's at the Conservatoire in Glasgow. Yeah. Um, so I was there for four months at the end of 2019 and then got back and one of my fiddle playing friends there was like, oh yeah, Mary Rankin came over and did this workshop and I was like, oh, I was in Cape Breton and she was here. So <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: It's it's a small world, just take a little play. Let's take a little playing over.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that workshop was about Cape Breton fiddle style of them, right? Yes, um, yeah. Would you be able to summarise for listeners, what is it that makes the Cape Breton fiddle style unique? And you can get as technical as you want.
1: Oh, my technical skills here. Let's see. <laughs> well, I think what makes the Cape Breton sound unique is there's a certain pulse or drive that when you hear a Cape Breton strathspey played, it's, there's no question that it's anywhere else it's not an irish it's not scottish it's not a shetland it's not an orkney style it's it is cape breton and it's because of the dancing that went along with it like you have a dancer pretty much right in front of you uh, dancing you're going to want to create this unbelievable solid four on the floor which we call it that groove or it's like you're one two three four one two you're not tapping half time during a strass bay I find like when you even even as an exercise if I was tapping yeah if I was doing it on the every beat so every beat my heel is hitting the floor it creates this bit of jump Dump jump 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 dump dump dump. Dum, 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 dum. and if I'm doing it half time my arm correlates with it and it turns it into this kind of, um, more relaxed stress baby, like da-da, 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 mm. da-da, 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 da-da. which you don't want when you're playing for a dancer. You want that like snappy beat, every single beat that's happening and you're making it as jumpy as possible. And I think that is probably one of the, the defining, Points of Cape Breton with with this, we can kind of own our strass bays as that um, with reels and jigs ah there's there's so many similarities with the Irish and Scottish styles per se i think the only other thing that that makes us a little bit different is that once again we're playing for dancers so we're not pushing that speed like you It's the most important thing we have like going through our head when we're playing for a dance or the dancers. It's just this like locked in speed metronome for the whole night. We do a lot of droning uh, with our like second and fourth finger to an open string. So that creates that kind of highland sound, uh, pipe sound. and Buddy McMaster did it quite a bit, and it gives it an old sound, as um, the best I can describe it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I also find the bowing to be quite different. I don't know, there, there seem to be a lot more separate bows than I was used to. Yeah. Um, I guess to give it that drive.
1: Yes, I, I, it's, a, it's a fine line of, like, where does it become scratchy? And where does it become like that chuggy chug sound? You know, you're kind of constantly, and you're switching it up every second time around. So you, you might do some slurs in there, but then you want to dig in, but then you, it's a fine line of digging in too much. And then you get that kind of too scratchy a on. So yeah, it's, it's really rooted in, I think like if you just had a dancer beside you and you were hearing their feet, it's about matching that. Um, and it's not about playing over them, playing faster than them. It's like, it's, we are basically the accompanist to the dancer. So you mm. want to wanna follow what the dancer is doing.
0: Mm. And you say that you both dance and play fiddle. Um, I presume that you find it, you know, they're both mutually helpful to each other. Does the fact that you dance also help your fiddle playing, I presume?
1: Yeah. I think it's just, it's just given me an awareness before I started fiddle. Like this Mm -hmm. is what a stress bay tempo should be. And if you do it too fast, unfortunately people just don't like it. Like it's very simple. They'll just tell you, (laughs) you know, if it's too fast or too slow, they'll let you know. Uh, (laughs) and there's a way of, you know, yes, they'll let you know, but having that kind of Um, metronome built in as a kid when you don't even know you have it is the nicest thing in the world and I still I find myself like having sped up over the years playing with with all the different bands it'll be it'll always be in the back of my mind which is probably a good thing
0: Mm, yeah yeah and on those same lines do you find that playing in all these different groups with slightly different
1: styles has that also affected your playing Think it has. Yep. Mm. When I was listening back to just some older stuff, I sounded definitely more Cape Breton. And mm. um, now I think there's a bit more uh, it, other influences, which is fine. I just have to always know where I am and where I'm playing and like get, um, what my audience is. And I think that's like one of the most important rule of thumbs. Uh, this is where I could start a war because you should play what you want to play and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, um, there are, but knowing your audience does help. And when you're in Cape Breton, they want to hear a March four or five strass bays and eight reels put together. Like they're like, if you're playing for an afternoon, that type of set is what people love. And then I mix it up. I kind of, I love playing waltzes and slow airs, which, some players don't like doing, but I throw that in quite a bit when I have to play these gigs and I love it. And there's people that come up and say, you know, we love that you're, you do that. And then there's some people are like, hurry up and get on with it. (laughs) They want to hear the faster music. Right? So, so, and then when you're, when we're Biola, we have our sets that we play. And when we're outside track, we have our sets that we play on stage, but we try to combine, The fact that we get like a Scottish bit in there's a little bit of a Cape Breton bit there's a bit of the Irish so that hopefully the audience goes away with like wow there's like three four different styles going on but it blends so yeah it's a it's a balancing act the whole time and I love I love 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 Irish music um and I love Irish tunes and you know you just have to know your audience also uh because sometimes they just don't like Irish dudes. <laughs> it's like you're like, oh, okay. Uh, so <laughs> you just, it's, but that's good for building your repertoire, right? You know, mm. and knowing your audience, I think that is kind of a, an important thing if you if you're in the music industry.
0: Yeah, very true. And I heard that square dances are back this summer. Will you be yes. out playing at
1: them? Um, I just played one on Friday night. We had the first one uh, in Mabu there was so many young people out, which is a rarity. Like there was so many young people that came to this dance and like got up and did like the solo. There was so many guys that got up and stepped in. So I I was like, I haven't Mm. seen these people ever. So I hope people start coming back to the dances. I think the dances have been struggling for years and years and years. And it's really sad to have seen it like booming and like, it was the best night out and everybody used to go and then like, you know, not enough people at the dance to have two sets, you know, and that's, Mm. so I think after COVID people are going to be a little bit more appreciative. Yeah. This summer, I don't think I'm playing any dances, um, between all the other, the bands and whatnot and traveling, it's just going to be full on. So, but I'd like Mm. to, if I'm home, I will definitely go to one for sure.
0: Mm. Yeah, I loved going to square dances when I was in Cape Breton. It's, yeah, you know, there's something just about the community that it creates yeah. and it brings everyone together
1: and it's just a really oh, good night out. You, I mean, do you see somebody with a scowl on their face when they're dancing instead? <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> Unless you're playing too fast. Hold on. <laughs> Hopefully you don't see anybody with a scowl on. <laughs> uh,
0: and it was also really welcoming as well. I mean, I'd never stepped dance. Well, I'd done maybe two step dance workshops in scotland or something yeah yeah but um no it was so welcoming and lovely
1: oh totally and it's like you don't if you can get the hop step down and the jig step you're Mm. you can last all night long because people you know you get tired after dancing how many sets you you know you just kind of you can shuffle your way through a lot of the sets it doesn't have to be fancy footwork and and they'd love seeing a new face at the dance you'd be the talk of the town i bet she had an accent
0: and everything <laughs> yes be i
1: got you be exotic in
0: sydney <laughs> yeah as soon as i opened my mouth i, noticed I know it's the Scottish accent <laughs> in return okay. i love the cape breton accent so yeah it's you know. the hard hours <laughs> mm. yeah we have um, so what's coming up next for you with your various different bands
1: Um, uh, well, Biola, we're heading down to Florida for a gig um, at the end of April, and then I'm flying from there over to Ireland to do the Timmy and Eric Wright tour with the network Ireland. And then I come home for a couple of days, and then I go to British Columbia for two weeks, and then I fly to Denmark with and with troy and McGilvery and wendy and mac and then i'm home and then for this that's that's june pretty much taken care of and then summertime i've been asked to teach at fiddle tunes which is the great school uh uh, teaching obviously fiddle music and and whatnot in seattle and then we're going to go play in montana with biola at the national folk festival which is an amazing folk festival we're very lucky to be asked for that it's a it's a very prestigious uh, festival so we're looking forward to that and then there's a bunch of stuff in Cape Breton with Biola and we'll be back and forth that'll take us up to pretty much the fall so it must
0: be nice to be busy being out
1: on the road again it is I'm I'm looking forward still it's all worrisome anything can happen you know like knock on wood nobody gets sick but um yeah, I've been feeling like it's time to play some music soon. <laughs> and it's just, yeah, to get back to the real world.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me today, Mary. It's been lovely having oh, you on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much to Maddie for taking the time to chat to me about her music. And of course, a big thank you to you for joining us. You can find Maddie's music at and theoutsidetrack.com and rankinandwrite.com. If you would like to buy my album The Castalia, it is available on Bandcamp or at my website islaratcliffe.com. See you next time.